have in studio, in the house, this is a big deal. Wendy Baldwin harassed me and said, I got to get this lady her name. Now, I'm going to try to pronounce her name. No, that I grew up with a speech impediment, so don't. Don't be rough. Even if you didn't, you still probably can't pronounce it. Yeah, Chelsea Zelani Floro. <laughs> less, I, I had to do the less, zing on the R. Less uh, um, Zelani Floro. Very close, very close. Zelani Floro. Yes, Zelani's my maiden name, and it was very hard for me to add that Floro on, so I did it. You did it. I did it once I had children. You did it with the hyphenation, which is totally appropriate. I did it. It's like the Kardashians. Don't they do that? They do. Can I compare myself to the Kardashians? You are the Kardashian of uh, the foster, foster mom. Oh my gosh. I love that. You're the big dog. So you don't have a website. You don't have an 800 number. Do you have any way for people to give to you? No. no. So, But what she does have is an epically popular Facebook page. So just go to facebook.com real life foster mom. That's right. And you will see all the craziness. That Chelsea is doing. Welcome to Smalley Marriage Radio. Thank you for being on the show. Thanks for having me. So let me ask you, why did you agree to come on this podcast? Because I can only reach so many people through Facebook, but you have a large crowd following you and they need to know how they can get involved what they can do, and why it's important for them to get involved in our world, why we need them. Because foster parents, we need you. I'm not, I'm not kidding. Me, I'm a foster parent, and I need you. I don't have it all together. How would, okay, so what does that mean? What, we that? need you, the foster parents, the people taking care of these kids who, by the way, on the record, I, where I got my master's was in, outside of Chicago, and I did a lot in the foster care system and counseling and clinical psychology. And, I, you know, almost every day I drive home crying for these kids in a terrible place. And I'd go home and I'd tell my wife, we need to adopt this kid. And she'd go, we can't adopt everybody. Had I married someone exactly like me, I would have had 74 kids. Me too. Easily. How many kids do you have? I only have six. That's it? Yeah. Wow. I know. I kind of wanted you to be like 17. Well, you know, I'm only 30 years old, so ah. I think we have time. Yeah, you're going to... So what's your number? So right now, our ages are 2 to 16, and we have six kids. I think six at a time right now with our age group is good. Okay. When our 16-year-old becomes 18 and leaves for college, that opens up. So we don't know what the number's going to look like in the end. Okay, so I already like Chelsea. Because, you know, we were talking before we started recording, and then I secretly started recording, <laughs> and you didn't even get angry. No, I don't get angry at much. Yeah, I promised you that I wouldn't, you know, put anything dishonoring in. But, so I already started liking him. That was interesting that you said you have six kids. Are they all foster? No. So I have two biological kids, a seven-year-old and a nine-year-old. My nine-year-old is autistic and has Tourette's syndrome. And so for us, when we started fostering, we were like, we just want to foster one little baby girl who's perfect Yeah. because we can't handle anything else. Literally, I'm not lying. Awesome. When we did our home study, I was That's like, we brilliant. would like a perfect baby girl. We don't care what color she is, but we want her. And then she came and then we adopted her and she's perfect, sort of. She's three right now. So sort of. Um, 
we, we've had other placements beside that, that, that did go on to leave and be reunited or be adopted by other families. But she came, we fell in love with her. And then God opened our hearts and said, um, you're going to take kids that are disabled. You're going to take kids that are hard to place. You were given a son that has this disability for a reason, and now you're going to do it. And so we kept seeing this post over and over and over again on Facebook. And I, I'm getting a little emotional. Um, our son, there was a baby boy who the hospital could no longer keep him. He was healthy as can be. He was missing both of his femur bones and both of his hips. And... Um, no one would take him because he was a basic child, which means his stipend is just basic. But he's missing. So, the, so yes, I know it doesn't make Wait, sense because he was a baby. Which is why I was enraged most days working with Yes, yes. And so because he was a baby, so he was basic. And so, like, basic homes are looking for not disability children, yeah. disabled children. Or, you know, I'm doing that in quotes. Can I say that? Yes. Um, disabled because he's really not, believe me. Um disabled children, but PMC homes, they want to hold out for PMC cases for PMC children. So they can't take a basic. So What's my a husband, PMC? Uh, a listener that's like... Prime, it's a, or, I'm sorry, PME, PMN. I'm sorry, PMN kids. Primary medical needs. Primary, PMC okay. is also... It is a permanent management conservative ship. I'm, I've got one of those going those on too. Yeah, Terrifying I've, acronyms. Yes, they very much are terrifying. Oh my gosh. Um, and so we took him... And we were like, we'll just keep him until he can find a forever home, or we'll keep him until his aunt gets him, who was trying to get him. And then over time, we just fell in love with this kid, and he's two and a half now. He was adopted last November. He has changed our lives. He has changed the way we view things. Um, my son, my biological son, has a neurological disability, but having a physical disability that you can see and people stare at, and you yeah. know, but to see how people respond to my son is amazing. I mean, he is like a light of joy, right? Right? He I've is. seen him. I've I okay. So if you haven't gone to her Facebook page yet, just go to facebook.com real slash real life foster mom and you can watch videos. Yeah, Charlie actually has amazing. his own video back in August and I think I shared it again on his adoption day in November and um it's a it's amazing. It just documents how we, you know, we got him. We weren't sure how things were going to be because we were a little nervous, which we were. I'm straight up. I cried a lot. I was scared. I couldn't do it. I was scared. I had people say, like, um, I don't want to watch him for you because we're scared to hold him, which then that makes me feel bad. And it made me it made it hard for me to get a break. And um, so there's just so now I lost my train of thought. But um, well, let me ask you, because it is hard and it would be scary and especially yes. doing so you're and what was his name? Charlie. Charlie. Yeah. I didn't want to mess that up, but so Charlie didn't have, doesn't have two femur bones. That's right. Those are really important bones. Yeah, they're pretty important. Yeah. We were told he would never walk. We were told he had fetal alcohol syndrome, or there was a high possibility because mom did drugs and drank while pregnant, and he doesn't, and he runs. He does? He runs. Without femur bones. Yeah, he runs. I mean, it's it's wow impossible, right? Such yeah. a disability. Well, God's yeah. kind of like a... God of impossibilities. Right. So yes. I don't even ask questions. But okay, that would be overwhelming. That would be terrifying. We're not just fostering. Fostering, my wife and I looked into that. We went to the like fostering, uh, like a two day thing where you get certified. The Hope Summit thing. Or? Yeah, something where now you can foster after two days. At the end of day one, 
we looked at each other and went, yeah, we're not going to foster. Because we knew we travel constantly, and they're like, you have to get permission from the judge. And we're like, yeah, we'll get arrested. We'll be felons for sure because we're so irresponsible. So it's scary even in whatever circumstance. It was scary for you. What was it that got you to overcome that fear and adopt this precious boy who has, like, poured into you and and made the biggest difference in your own life, how did you overcome that fear to be able to experience the blessing of Charlie? Man, okay. So first off, God. Second off, I feel like it was kind of a stick it to the man thing. Oh. Honestly. It I like was the a, attitude. Yeah, it was a, you can't do this, you shouldn't do this, and I've always been one to say, really? Okay, I'm going to do it twice as hard. Ah. And so you must have been a really fun teenager or toddler. Oh, oh, so I was perfect until I became a teenager. Yeah. I married my husband at 18. And uh, yeah, we started our life. You know, we ran away to Arizona and started really? our life for a little bit and came back. And now no one would ever know that. Should I have shared that? You're amazing. <laughs> so wait, you you got married at 18. Sure did. Probably another stick it to the man thing. It was such a stick it to the man. Oh, I, I would like to living? go. I would like to go into more detail of that. Um well, I want to know he actually where was, were you living, and then you ended up in, in Arizona. In Tomball, Texas? No. Yes. That's amazing. How and old was was your husband? 23. So 23, 18, that's not a big deal. So, okay. So you have this, like, forbidden romance. Yes. Y'all literally left Tomball, Texas. You get married. You're 18. Yes, I'm legal. Barely legal. Barely. Which every 18-year-old in the history of mankind. And get ready, because what's your oldest? She's 16, and yeah. she just came a couple months ago, so I'm years. really new to teenagers. Well, and even maybe right now, she'll drop some hints. Like, when I'm 18, I can do whatever I want. And my response was, you do. And you can pay for it. Yes, yes. And get your own place. Oh, my gosh. And I won't, you know, you can follow it up with some pretty good... Yes. Retaliation. Not retaliation out of anger. So you end up going to Arizona. Where'd you I grew up in Arizona. Really? We yeah. lived in Awatuki. What? Yeah, is that where Ahwatukee? you're from? Awatuki? No. Oh, my son was born in Chandler. That's where all the runaways lived. Really? With their older husbands. With their no. older men. I grew up in Scottsdale, Phoenix. Okay, yeah, we, yeah. we couldn't afford Scottsdale. I was 18. Yeah, my dad And was I worked rich. at the local AMC, and I had to walk to work because what? I didn't have a car. That is insane. How long did you live there? For three years after we had my son, who is almost 10, we okay. um, realized that we needed family. And yeah, we came helps. home. So when he was like nine weeks old, we moved home and we we think about our lives in Arizona, man, we miss it. We miss hiking and we just miss it was nice. We do miss kind of being away from everybody, but in reality, our parents are really helpful. Our sisters are yeah. They're gonna hear this. Yeah. It feels like you're saying that, knowing they're gonna hear no, this. No, no, but really they really are they helpful. They really do? Yeah. Okay. Well, some of them. I mean, you know who you are. Not all of them. Yeah, don't go. <laughs> I think I'm Are you sure to, you want to continue I'm, this? I'm starting to understand why your Facebook page, I got to look at it again. I I have it on the wrong screen. I'm never very organized, but I'm starting to get why your Facebook page is so popular. Because you have a lot of energy, very kind, very um, say whatever you need to say. How many? All right. Do you know how many people like you? Like, it's like 35,000 and something. 35,326. Okay. At the recording of this. Okay. Which, by the way, 
you're going to balloon to like 35,328. Sweet. Thank you, you two. Thank you, you two people. But you have 36,086 people following this. Yes. And do you know how amazing it feels? Because I'm so honored that they want to learn. That's really what it is. is well, that I, but you started it when? May of last year. May 22nd, actually. Seriously? May 22nd of 2018. Yes. And you're already up to that. Yes, I don't know. Why? I don't know. Because you do. You because have an idea. Here's the thing. It's because I'm personable and I'm honest and I tell it like it is, the good, the bad, the ugly. I don't sugarcoat it, but I kind of do it with humor. So even our lives are really hard and I don't know how we could do this without God and humor. Oh. Those two things. Like there's just no way. If I didn't laugh all day long, I would literally cry all day long. Yeah. I think I can understand that. My, you know, I do comedy. I don't know if you. Oh, do you? I love comedy. And so- I was recently, I did a comedy show in Rockford, Illinois, and it was during that big, like, polar vortex. Remember that? Like, really? Do you not watch the news because you have six no, kids? I have six kids. I watch, a popular there's, Facebook page? there's one show that I continually watch, and that's all. I can't watch anything else. Because it's not Smalley Marriage Radio streamed live on Facebook, Monday through Friday? No, it's wow. The Real Housewives. Wow. Hey, guess what? This is basically a version of the Real Housewives. Well, good. Because my wife is a wife, and I'm basically a wife. Yeah. Oh, well. When it comes down to it emotionally. Well, that's good. Now I, I feel am. now I feel at home. Yeah, you should. So, okay. So I'm in Rockford, and my comedy show is The Death of My Father. See? Yes, sir. Thank you. I like seeing your face on that. I like that. You were surprised, but then you... I was surprised. It took me it. a minute to... to uh, process that but it could be the funniest death ever yeah and but it sounds like what you're doing on your facebook page is you're you're able to get people to laugh about difficult things which might be my favorite thing because i i i'm i'm not inappropriate in like a dishonoring way yes but i make i get people to laugh about things they never yes thought they would laugh about and so that's my if it's an event I've done or an intensive or whatever, people are like, I never thought I would have laughed about that. And it does make it easier. What is Okay, so for you, laughter makes it easier to deal with it. But what else? Why is laughter? Where did that come from for you? I've always just felt like, you know, laughter and being funny and stuff is an outlet for me. And so in my, you know, for me, That's just how I deal with it. I just think if we can make this funny, then I can change my attitude. Okay. So like, so it's like your coping mechanism. It's a coping mechanism that's become my life, but it's really good for me. It's such a good outlet for me. My husband, he's very funny, but not as funny as me. Ah. And so he's. If I hope he listens to this because he's gonna go. He's gonna ask to come on. We're kind of a big deal. And say the opposite. Did you know we're the fastest growing marriage podcast in the world? Are you? That's awesome. That has the name Smalley. Can I tell you when your wife came and talked um, at the Anchored and Hope Retreat to foster parents? She did. Um, She said there's six main reasons for divorce, and I I typed them all out, and I quickly sent it to my husband, and he said, "And having six kids." That'll do it. And then I just, I just, I was like, okay, yeah, touche, you won. That's fair. Um, he so did. he's like, all that doesn't matter. We have six kids. And I'm like, okay. 
So, but your your wife was my most favorite speaker, and really? I took all these notes seriously That's awesome. because marriage is also really hard in foster it care. Is. It's really hard. We've been in five years. We went from two kids to six kids, and there four of them have severe trauma. Yeah, and so it's just a whole new ball game. And so, like, can you imagine how many times we get in fights over stupid things? But we've learned to laugh together. We've learned to heal together, and we've learned to let those things bring us. Bring us closer rather than pull us apart. We now know that like we have to be on the same page, whereas before we weren't. So I'm really interested. I was really interested in your your wife's talk. Bring her back next year. She well, and I think she really enjoyed. I don't think I know she enjoyed it, and so you probably just have to ask. Yeah. So okay, what I'm hearing then is instead of choosing heroin or alcohol, yeah. you've chosen laughter. That's right. Yeah. The I'm other... not knocking heroin and alcohol. No, no, we like, wouldn't I don't be judge. Judgmental. No, we don't judge. No. It's a safe place. Safe place. But laughter does feel healthier. Yeah, and I like really don't want to go to jail. I'm kind of scared. Oh, when you have foster kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Having you can't... illegal drugs around. It's probably I don't know. I should check minimum standards, but I think <laughs> It's probably, <laughs> let me call my CPS. It's reason number 422 why my <laughs> wife and I would have been terrible. Not that I keep heroin. Lots of heroin. The house. Yeah, no, I don't. I can only kid because it's so untrue. People don't understand that. And my wife's not here to be like, he doesn't really do heroin. She does yes. that. She did, Every she, event. She told us that you're like the funny one and she's like yes. the one who's like, okay. Straight laced. We just did an event in Washington, D.C. outside of it. And I, I, will only say I do heroin in the mornings just to get her reaction because she can't handle it. When people ask me what I need, I say crack. Do you? I do. That's a good go-to as well. I just told our CPS that. I no. Said, yes. And that she, doesn't sound like a good idea. So here's the thing. No, no, no. She, we have a good relationship. Yes, and I joke yes. with her all the time. And I say, listen, I'm either going to need a break or crack. Which one? And she says, okay, we'll get you a break. I would go for crack. Yeah. Oh, well, <laughs> she doesn't want that because she's kind of like on my team. She doesn't want me to get arrested. Oh, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That makes way so, more sense. So, but it's just, I mean, it's all fun and games. You know, yeah. they they know me. It's been a few years now. Yeah, so it, it feels, okay, so not only do you have this precious boy, Charlie. Yes. No femurs. I'm still like, I've watched the videos and he's amazing. And now I think you're most... Can you talk about your most recent? I don't know the rules. I don't want to get in trouble. Yeah, so I'm not going to give like grand details because she's not adopted yet, but she will be soon. And she's older. She's 16 years old, and we did a weekend of respite for her in August. And the funny thing about that is we had five kids and my husband. It wasn't a weekend. I'm sorry. It was a week. Time out. What is a weekend of respite? Okay, so respite care. Listen, everybody. Open these ears. We need you to open your home for respite care, which is um, you really just need to get background checked, fingerprinted, you take a medication class. It's pretty simple. And then you can take our kids for a couple days so we can get a break. No way. Yes, yes, please. This is angering. How do we not know about this? You know, I don't know. I don't know, but it's really important. How come the national ad campaign, people who do stuff on artwork and, you know, the National Ad Council feels like I'm getting political. I'm not even intending to. That is unbelievable. Yeah. I have never, and I've, you know, I'm a clinician, and well, I'm not a clinician, but I have that background, education, all the work, and I've never heard of that. How is that possible? Okay, so you just go through an agency just like we do, and 
And I want to tell you that every time I've used respite, it has been another foster family who already has kids in their home because no. we cannot find people who who are licensed for respite How care. How long? Like a weekend? Are we talking about a week? Sometimes I, I use like two nights at a time. That is unbelievable. So what's... It can be up to a week or right. 14 days, I think, is the max you can use it. But for me, I use two nights at a time. What's the process? So if someone's like me and they're going, wait a minute, because that could be like the perfect thing for my wife and I. Where, yes, it could. Because I always got frustrated when my when we moved to Texas in 2005. My oldest at the time was eight, nine, seven, somewhere in there. And it feels like I should know that. You if should. I love my children better, but apparently I have a low love. But he did football in Texas, and I was enraged by his coach. This guy with like eight, nine-year-olds was so cruel and intense and I didn't say anything obviously I wasn't going to let it get abusive but the next year I decided to coach and that was really fun coaching football in Texas that was not fun that was sarcasm <laughs> and so but my philosophy has always been I, I've complained so much about DCFS and different things in the foster care system and not obviously people like you but I'm, I'm sure you're aware of the messed up people that somehow get approved through this intense process. Absolutely. It and does so, not make sense. When can I just interject this? When sometimes you have biological parents that lose their children for being poor or being yeah. having not having a clean house, but you have but you have people who are going through this system because they have a clean background and they're doing things worse to these children. It's evil. It, I'm gonna say though, it is a very small portion in it our is. area. We have amazing foster parents. We really do. We have just a group of amazing foster parents My in this guess, area. The majority are amazing. Yes. But then there's this percentage, whatever it that is. That sneak through the and cracks. And that was the one I always had to deal with as a clinician yes. in, in, in my practicum in, in Chicago. And, I mean, I was enraged. Mm -hmm. And those are the ones that end up on TV. Yo, and cool. that's why – that's another reason I think this is important to run my page is because – what you're seeing on TV is such a small portion, and then we're getting such a bad name. Yeah. Foster parents are in People it for think. the money. They're this yeah. and that. I have a video about how we are not in it for the money, and it explains it all. Yeah, no. Um, not if you're healthy. Yeah. Well. <laughs> no. And, I did and, not need money that bad. So respite, then, to put a nice bow on it, what would a couple like my wife and I, who have space, you know, two of our kids are kind of out of the home. We have a 17-year-old left who's very sweet and loving. Uh, what would they need to do? What would that process look like to become a respite? Okay, so there's a babysitting and there's respite. For babysitting, it's literally you fill three forms out, you get okay. a background check, and you have to have CPR. Quick and easy. I have a few people licensed to do that for me, and they are it's 72 hours or less. If it's okay. over 72 hours, you have to become a respite provider. Each agency is going to give you different, might, yeah, yeah okay. what you have to do. It's almost the same, but I know you have to take like a medication class. There's, there's a little yeah. bit more requirements. Which is good. But um, how long would you say on average that might take a couple to go through? Is it a weekend? Is it oh, Well, again, it's going to it's gonna be depend on the agency because right. sometimes they have those two days trainings. And then I think you do have to go through a little home study where they come in your home and just sure. make sure, you know, you're not a heroin addict. Right. Remember, I just kid about I know, that. I know. I'm just throwing that out there. Now, the crack... Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding about that. My too. wife, I cannot wait till she hears this. <laughs> Is she gonna like love it or hate it? Uh, or both? So we have Wendy in the studio who is refusing to talk. Okay. Is my wife gonna love it or hate it? She's not gonna like 
She's not going to oh, like it. Oh, no. My wife is very healthy. No, please come back to Anchored in Hope. Don't hate me. Yeah, no, she won't hate you. <laughs> okay, no. just you. Go no, no, just me because I'm the idiot. Excellent. No, you're very healthy. So, okay. all right. So you can become a foster care respite. What do you Respite call? provider. Respite provider. Yeah. All right. I'm going to look into that. Yes, please do because I. it's... The only people that I use, they have kids of their own in care. Yeah. I did get one person got licensed specifically for me. But again, she had already adopted kids from foster care. So she was already in the system. I think more couples like Amy and I who don't have foster kids and who didn't adopt. So it's not that we're against it, obviously. Right. But my sister adopted. And then my brother adopted. Amy and I wanted to adopt. And it blew up terribly in our face. We we're going to do an international one. And turns out. You know, I, I had a good friend in, in like orphan and adoption care and stuff. And she called me and she's like, hey, um, so I saw this post you did about the girl you're trying to adopt from Uganda. You realize you're a human trafficker. I went, uh, yep. I did not know that. And so it started blowing up quickly because obviously I don't want to be yeah. intentionally. Yeah. A human trafficker. I've watched some documentaries on that. I don't know too much about international adoption, but I did. Recently yeah, let me tell documentaries. you. You can land there in a really loving, innocent way. Yes. So it all blew up in our face, but we knew why. Like hindsight is always twenty twenty. Yes. So my dad got very sick, and so we ended up that adoption blew up on our face, and then very shortly after, my dad got sick, and then we cared for him through home hospice in yeah. our home here. Actually, he died in the room you're in right now. Mm. Cool. I was trying to get a reaction. <laughs> I hope it was in this chair that I'm sitting he in. He was in that chair. Oh my gosh, I feel so lucky. His ashes, you're, that's the stuff that's on oh, your... No, no, it was downstairs. <laughs> I call it the death suite. And I'm not scared of death. So. No, I could tell. Immediately when I got into it, I was like, she's not going to freak out about that. No. But, um, but that's why. I mean, I know in hindsight, we needed to be able to care for him. Yes. And that would have been... Really too, difficult. That would have been too much. Oh my gosh! An international adoption. My father. Yes. And, yes. Oh, that would have that. Yeah, my wife and I would not have done well yeah. with it. And so that's the point: is that not everybody has to adopt. Not everybody can. Not everybody is called to. Yeah. I have some great friends who are awesome and would be great babysitters, but if they were thrown into foster care, it would not work out for them, and that's okay because that's not their gift. But they do babysit for me, yeah. and so. That's exactly how I feel. Like, not everybody needs to adopt or foster, but you can do something. You can. And I want to encourage you to do that because, especially if you're listening to this podcast, you're like, we really just wanted good, healthy marriage advice and <laughs> wanted to hear about, you know, foster care and adoption. Now we feel guilty. Don't feel guilty. That's not the point. The point is, if God is sort of pressing in on you right now and you're realizing, hey, wait a minute, now respite. I like Michael. I wasn't aware of that. Maybe I could do that. Don't waste time. Check it out. Who would they even need to like? Just what would they look up? Like foster care. Just respite? Google foster care agency. Foster uh, care agency. I think you can go through CPS in some states. Some states you can't. But yeah. just foster care agency. Call them. I want to be respite. Yes. Okay, that's important. And okay, so let me ask you an awkward, uncomfortable question that you are totally unprepared for. Go for it. So you had kind of mentioned that you might believe in Jesus. Mm, yeah, absolutely, okay. yes. And you go, what? what's your home church? Crossroads Baptist. Ah, uh, right here in the Woodlands. In the Woodlands. Good old Larry York. Yes. He's a wonderful man. Yes, I really he is. do. I respect him a lot. And, okay, so how do you help? Because here's one of the things I've noticed in what I do for a living, helping couples in crisis and yada, yada, yada. 
how can you help a couple or family not be naive? You know that Christian naivety? It's like, oh, we're going to adopt, and we're not going to put a single thought into it, and God's going to bless it, and then disaster ensues. And it can be hard, and there can be wounds and injuries. How do you help? Like, how can a couple be healthy? Like, not to be scared, because if God's calling you to do it, you need to be doing it. Yes. But you also don't need to go in eyes wide shut. Yes. Okay, so I just posted something about this, but I think we have to use, like, things that are insecurities or flaws, things that we would normally say, that's not, I can't do it because of this reason, and and embrace it, like... I've hear a lot of people say like, I'm not normal enough. The kids will come in and be more screwed up than they are. And I'm like, embrace your crazy yeah. and do it. I have. Yes, me With too. With the help of meth. Me too. <laughs> I thought it was heroin. Oh, yeah, and heroin. That too. I Meth is a little too much for me. Yeah. It kind of. That'll keep you awake for a while. It kind of scares me. Neither of us have ever done it, just to clarify it. No, again. no, no. Oh, Lord, no. But we can laugh about it. Yes, we can laugh about it. Okay, so continue. You I, lost your train of thought. I you? lost my train of thought. Like all it. this, all this drug talk. I know it's all the meth and heroin. Here's the I am th- the worst interviewer in the history of mankind. So we're talking about helping couples, especially Christian ones who have a great intention and a great heart. But there are times where you have a a family who might have one biological, maybe two biologicals, but they're two, they're one, and they're trying to adopt 13, 16 you know, older kids, is there, how can a, how can a family make a wise, healthy decision to go into this world? So first of all, you have to realize, A, you're not Jesus. You are not going to save every orphan that walks through your door. And there are going to be some that come through your door that are not supposed to be there. They, it's not the healthiest place for them. No matter what you do, no matter how much you try, it's not. And we have to take that into consideration. Um, also, I, I think that we need to know that these kids that are coming in are traumatized. They have been through the ringer. We have to know they're not going to be easy, and we cannot compare them to our biological children. We also need to kind of realize that there's a honeymoon phase, and so when people say, like, oh, that child wouldn't do that with me or whatever— it, it may not have been, they may not, they may not for the weekend. Like when I send my kids to respite care and they're perfect angels and they're like, what do you mean you needed a break what from her? What are you her? struggling about? Yes, because there's a honeymoon period. So sometimes I think people who do respite or people in the church who babysit, they're like, we could adopt this child. You really need to look into what your family can handle. Uh, we now take a 16 year old, but when we first started, our age gap was zero to one. We did take a two year old, but zero to one because I had an autistic son. I didn't know if I could handle much. Now we're zero to 18. We take people, we take whatever. Because you've kind of been through the ringer already. You yes. have experience. Yes, we not don't. negative, but we, I mean. We do not take kids with peanut allergies, if you're wondering. Oh, yeah. That's. Oh, my gosh. That's yeah. very wise. Yes, yes, we can't, we can't do I that. I would never remember. Yeah. I'd like make a peanut butter jelly sandwich. I'd be like, here you go, buddy. Wait a minute. I know, I know. Why so. is he swelling? Mm-hmm. And then I'd forget why he's swelling. Oh, my God. It's and horrible. then I'd be like, oh, the peanut allergy. I know. We have too many kids in our house that eat peanut butter, like straight from the spoon. And yeah. that's just something that we so we are not able to handle. So for you, the eyes wide open kind of approach was, hey, we have our own child with who's on the autism spectrum mm-hmm. and Tourette's, which mm-hmm. can really be a fun, like, uh, 
Well, he doesn't. I kind of want. I want to show you what he does. No one's going to be able to see this, but it's yeah. he doesn't yell bad words. Oh, man. No, it's not that kind, because that's a really rare that. kind of Tourette's. It's like this. Oh. And it's... Um, if only you could have seen that. Yeah, it's if pretty. Was... It's pretty amazing. I actually have videos of him because I show it to his doctors. They want to know, you know, how much it's going on. But um, it's a body. T- it's a body tick, ah, repetitive, hundreds of times sure. a day. Yeah. And so, and he like kind of blacks out during them. Like he doesn't know they're okay. going on and stuff. Yeah. He can't control them. So no, no bad words, thankfully. But early on, you knew. All right, we could handle zero to one. Like we could handle that kid. We could be healthy with it because we got our. Own. But now, ten years later, whatever. We, we have a much wider spectrum. That, I think, is what's important about having maturity. Yes. Because I feel like sometimes Christians over-spiritualize stuff, and it irritates the life out of me. It's like, we're not going to put any thought. We heard this podcast with Chelsea and Michael, and they talked a lot about drugs, but <laughs> but we're going to do it. And they don't put a single other thought into it, like God will protect me. It's hard, and I'm not guys. saying God doesn't protect you. But what I am saying is we have to have a certain level of maturity and responsibility going, hey, what can we handle? Yes. Let's do that. And as that expands, I'll be open to it. But sometimes I these families just go blindfolded into it, and then they're devastated because they think this kid's going to love me, and, and they have never heard of oppositional defiance. defiance. disorder yeah. or RAD, reactive yeah. attachment disorder. I had an oppositionally defiant client in Chicago. His mother... I was trying to help her with natural consequences. I was like, all right, if he cusses you out, we're going to, yeah. She weighed probably 600 pounds. She was a gigantic woman. And so I'm in my office, and this little kid weighs 20 pounds wet, and he's like nine, just a rail of a kid. And we're trying to practice natural consequences. And so he did something, cussed her out, and I go, now, ma'am, what have we talked about? She goes, okay, we'll call him Ricky. Ricky, I'm going to have to take away. And it was like a beanie baby. It was like the eagle beanie baby. And I was like, that's a good one. She goes, I'm going to have to take away your beanie, ba- your eagle, whatever. She grabbed it. Let me tell you, this kid went off. I mean, starts beating the tar out of his mom. Oh. He's like climbed up on her. Wow. And she's like, what do I do? <laughs> she's like looking at me. What do I do? What do I do? I'm like, I don't know what to do. So I finally was like, hey, Ricky, I don't know if I'm allowed to grab him or not as a therapist. So I like touch him. And I mean, all of it looked at me. I went, oh, this is bad. Ricky attacked me. It was really funny. He he had me on the ground. I'm trying to, like, I'm on trying to control him. I have his arms spread out in an eagle. I have my legs over his waist. Unfortunately, his head was kind of down, like, in the middle of my legs. That little boy, he just turned his head and bit my inner thigh. It bled. And then he ran out in December in Chicago barefoot. And I had to run after him like, I don't know why I'm doing this for a living. I don't know what's going on. My thigh hurts so bad. I'm bleeding. I'm like, this is a terrible, you know. Can I just tell you that that was an analogy for foster care? Like right there. I don't even know how, but it was. It is. It is. But I can also tell you that I hung with that kid. Yep. Obviously, I caught him. Well, not obviously. You guys might not know. You could be still running today. (laughs) No, I caught him. I had to bind him up with my arms, right? So he wouldn't keep biting me. It's not pleasant. I got back, and the first thing I told him is, hey, that's not okay to bite. And I was hurting so bad. I go, it's not okay to bite, but I still love you. Yes. And I probably worked with him for close to a year, and then he left. I didn't know what happened, didn't know where he went. 
And months later, I got a letter from this kid, like 10 years old. So imagine going from, because I don't want people to hear this and be like, why would I foster oppositional defiant ever? You know, you're probably thinking your own child is oppositionally defiant, and they're not. But why would I do this? Well, because months later, I got a handwritten letter from this kid, Ricky, who said, thank you. And no one has ever loved me unconditionally. And I mean, that kid would say the meanest things to me. I was overweight at the time. I've lost 130 pounds. So that was, was probably the meth yeah. or the heroin. No, that keeps you skinny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not doing it now. It's the oh, good. removal of a stomach okay. that helped me, not meth. So he was so kind and so like no one ever loved me like you did. And I don't know how I'll ever be able to thank you. And that's why you want to foster. Because these kids foster. need to be loved by someone unconditionally. And they're going to be difficult. Like, I don't want to, like, cherry coat it. I mean, these you, kids are in foster because their life has been really hard. Yes. And and you have to know what you can take. Another thing we don't do is we don't take two kids at a time because we know that that's too much for us. We know that we can only take one kid. And I've seen people like, we're going to adopt a sibling group of six. Yeah. And we're going to. Or they saw the movie with Mark Wahlberg. Yes. And, and they, they had three, which, dear Lord, they show you those pictures. And you just go, why did you do that? And then you just take them all. That's where we're at. That's yeah. why we have six kids. But um, you have to know your limit. Because three kids for me at a time would just be way too much with what I already have going on. And yes, I can lay down my life and lay down things, but I also have other kids in my house that need to be bathed, taken places, to, you know, well. do sports, love well. Um, so, so you really have to pray about what your boundaries are and stick to them because when they call you, they're going to be like, well, we have this 17 year old who burned down a house and, but they need but you. So yeah. And then you go, okay. And then they get there and you go, what did I just do? Yeah. Um, and so you have to stick with your boundaries that you make. Well, and I would even encourage people. It's not about rejecting someone. It's yes. not about rejecting a kid. You have to get in your head that. I am not, or we, our home is not the right environment for this child. Yes, and you're like, doing. I a, want the best thing for that. Kid. You're doing a disservice for that child yeah. if you keep them in your house or you take them in your house when there is somebody waiting who is the right fit, and you don't. So I go to therapy. Like, oh Lord, I started it. Smart. Yes, I started it. Oh my gosh, and he he's through the church. The church offers it, and I just, yeah. gosh, I love him, and um. Lord, now I don't know. I keep losing my thought. I, I just started didn't... therapy. Yes, but what were we talking about? We were talking about meth. <laughs> no, That's it wasn't where that. This is going. I'm sorry. It wasn't that. Um, I don't even know. I, I'm getting oh, but, the impression oh, he... you're also ADD like me. Oh, I've been tested, and they said I'm not, but it's a lie. No. Yeah, I know. you went to an idiot. Three idiots. My parents oh. took me to three different people. How they were like, were "Something's wrong with my child." Uh, yeah, and I was like. What is wrong with Maybe me? Maybe you're just oppositionally defiant. No, 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 no. I'm I was kidding. very, I, I was very good. I just had a social anxiety. I'm telling you. Mm -hmm. Um. So, so here's a here it is. My therapist told me, if you're holding on to this child because you're feeling guilty, you feel like you need to be the savior, but it's tearing you apart inside. It's tearing your family down. There's a reason God is giving you those feelings. And if you, I've prayed, I've prayed and prayed and prayed. There's a reason God is doing that. And you holding on to her is not doing her a good service. It's because, unloving. Because there is a someone waiting for her. And I'm not God. I can't take care of her better than God. He asks me that all the time. Can you take care of her better than God? And I say, oh, no. And he says, so do you know that she'll be better? She will be better off in your home. And I'm like, 
well, no, but it's true. You have to ask. It's a, it's a reality if that... If you're not willing to ask that, you're going to get in trouble. Yes. And in Branson, we lived in Branson, Missouri for, I don't know, six, seven years. And I would help families from time to time. But I had this, you know, young, Christian, precious, loving couple. They had tiny little kids who were going to adopt a, I don't know, 13, 14-year-old, but who had been sexually abused and traumatized and... All that, and they need care. They need a healthy thought. Right. But I had to talk to this family. Go, um, I'm not sure you're the right home for this. And then we ended up finding a couple in Branson who was in their 60s, mm-hmm. really mature and healthy, had no kids at home, and they specialized in it, mm. so they could bring this girl home and actually be able to help. Yes. Where the other family is potentially putting their own children. Right. Yes. And so that thinking through those things is really big and having your eyes open and then knowing that, hey, man, you can do everything right. You can have all the right answers and right questions even and get answers. And life surprises us and we're going to be OK. Yes. Yes. I mean, that's the thing is like every placement I've taken, I've gotten X, Y, Z story. And then it ends up being A, B, C, D, F, G, da, 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 X, Y, Z. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. The minute they walk through the door, it's like there. it's like all of this stuff. And I'm like, wait, you didn't tell me that before I signed the papers. Um, and then I usually have a little bit of oh, doubt, a little bit of regret. And then like two weeks later, I'm like, we've got this. Like yeah. God put this child in our house for a reason, and we're going to live it out, whatever that is, for however long. One week, four years, five years, yeah. whatever, whatever it is. And, and that doesn't mean that in five years we're going to adopt them. That means however long God says they're going to be in our house, they're going to be there, and then they're going to go to where they need to be. Yes, where they need to be. That could be in my house, and it could be in someone else's house, and it could be with their biological parents, hopefully. Yeah. Well, and, and know this, and you know, I grew up with a wonderful dad who obviously has passed away, as you found out, because you initially thought you might be in the room that he passed away <laughs> in, and you're not. But... He, he used to tell me all the time, nothing bad can happen to a Christian. And Christians or people will hear that and be like, wait a minute. And everybody immediately goes to the worst thing that ever happened to them. And they're like, well, that was bad. And it's like, time out. Yes, crap happens and stuff gets hurled on us that we create or that we're victims of. Mm-hmm. But what does God promise? I'm going to use that. So whatever the trial is, You'll be okay mm-hmm. as long as that that focus is on Christ. So he uses it all. Like God's not afraid of a whatever, of an oppositionally defiant kid, of a traumatic situation, of pain and hurt and disaster. God can use all of it for his glory, and he uses it to mature us, mm-hmm. to make us more righteous and mm-hmm. have more stamina, and, I mean, which are you know incredible things to have. I don't know if you agree with that. I totally agree with that. I completely, yeah. You'd be kind of like a sociopath if you didn't. Yeah, I right. Right, a yeah. little bit. I, well, I kind of maybe I am. I don't actually know the definition of a social. You're not of that. So, but I You're might not. be psychotic. I don't know. That's different, now, right? Psychotic is a different. Okay, so that's what I was thinking. There's I might be psychotic. There's some possibilities. I don't want you to lose sleep over it. We should do it. some testing. Yeah, you might. Well, okay. I'll just ask you this question: Do you sometimes hear voices that nobody else hears? <laughs> No, not me. Never. But someone in my house does. But somebody is talking to me. It's not me. It's there, this person. But there is like four people in here, right? 
One, two, three, four. I mean, yeah. for others, for others? Yeah, for others. Okay. Like a total of seven. Yes, that's what I was thinking. Right. Yeah. Three of which you can see. Mm-hmm. Four, they're just here chilling. I just hear them. I'm with you. I'm totally with you on that. Well, Chelsea, what would you like to say then? So um, do you know that you have reached the record of length of interview? Oh, really? Well, that's cool. No one has been interesting enough to make it 45 minutes. Well, cool. No one ever. Does anybody else talk about crack and meth no and heroin? I know. That's totally my why you husband, made it that long. If he was sitting here as well, he would be like. So yeah. both of our spouses are the appropriate healthy ones. Well, no, he's not appropriate, but in public he is. Ah, yes. when it matters. Yes, yes, yes. When it matters, he yeah. is. And I just don't have that filter, apparently. And well, that's why you get a lot of followers. Probably. You're up to now three, 35,000. Uh, you're still at 35,326. <laughs> so, okay. What would be then? I'm going to put a lot of pressure on you. Oh, my gosh. You have been the most successful, most entertaining, talented guest in the history of this podcast. You're at 46 minutes and 17, 18 seconds, 19 seconds. How would you like to close this podcast to be able to promote and make a difference in the foster community. Okay, so first of all, if you would go like my page at Real Life Foster Mom at Facebook, shameless plug, That's brilliant. so that we can continue to share foster care and get get everybody knowledgeable on it. Um, also, if you're considering foster care, you don't have to jump in. You can babysit. You can accompany people. Like when I used to go to Shriners with my son, I would ask people, can someone just ride in the car with me and go sit with me? Because sometimes you're there for like four hours. And so people would do that with me. You could literally just go sit with somebody at a doctor's office for a couple hours. There are so many ways you can help and we need you. I mean, I can't get, I can't get it out anymore. We need you. We need help. We don't have enough of it. We're struggling. All of us. I mean, I, I don't know one foster parent that's like, man, my life's joyous. I wouldn't like a break. You know, this is great. CPS is so nice to me. Um, it's That's not, I've never heard that. So if you're a unicorn and you're out there, let me know. But we we need you to do anything, anything. You can off, offer to us sitting with us, maybe coming over at night and just having cake with us. Yeah. I'm, I'm serious. We just need, we just need you. Yeah. Well said. I'm impressed, Chelsea. Thanks, sir. I understand why you have so many followers. So don't forget, go to facebook.com slash real life foster mom. I didn't want to mess that up. Not at the end, but the embarrassing. Haunted by the specters that we had to see Yeah, I wanted 